We're currently in the midst of a storm that most likely none of us have ever been in before. And we're in the boat and we've been riding it out the best that we can, but we have no idea when it's going to be over. Are the waves going to get even bigger and more tumultuous? Or has the storm peaked? Will it begin to settle down and start feeling safe soon? None of us know the answer to that. So today I want to ask two questions. The first question is, is Jesus in your response? And the second one is, is Jesus in your team? And I want to look at how we can navigate the current climate in such a way that Jesus is both seen and heard as the captain in our boats. Sound good to you guys? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are in our boat. And we thank you that you know everything that's going on. You know the way through. You know the size of the waves. And Lord, we thank you that we have you. We thank you that we can trust you. And we thank you, God, that you have our best interests at heart. You, you are our protector. You are our, every, are our everything. And Lord, as we... Just come around this word this morning that you've really laid on my heart. Lord, I pray that each one of us would be able to just take a real good look at where we are in it, where you are in our story. And Lord, I just pray that as we go out of here today, Lord, that we each take something with us, Lord, that we can maybe do better this week and have you in our story more that we can see you as captain of our boat, boat better than we have been up until this point. Lord, I pray that you'd open our ears, open our hearts to hear you, to know what you're saying to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So is Jesus in your response? You know, in the midst of this uncertain and very unfamiliar place, I'm seeing a lot of responses and reactions both online and in person to what's going on. And sadly, I'm often not hearing a lot of Jesus in these reactions. I'm seeing people devouring each other. There's so much I'm right, you're wrong going on and a lot of dishonouring of one another and of our authorities. And I don't see or hear Jesus in that. We have to be set apart from the world as Christians, they need to see Jesus in us because if they don't see Jesus in us, where are they going to see him? Moses said to God in Exodus 33, 16, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. His presence sets us apart. Is his presence seen in your life or is it hidden in your life? I'm going to ask a number of questions today and I'd really love you all to ask that of yourself. You know, Jesus came to the earth as a little babe and he gave up his life for us to save us with the purpose of giving us abundant and eternal life. And Tom asked last week, is Jesus in your story or is he just a bookmark? And that was a bit of an ouch question, wasn't it? But also so amazing. You know, did we just stick him in as a bookmark and then move on for the rest of the story and leave him there? If we've invited him in and he is our Lord, how visible is he? 
Is he seen in our actions and our reactions? Is he heard in our words and our responses, our interactions with others, including our online ones? Now, Jesus came to be our light to show us the way. So what can we learn from his time on earth? I am constantly having to pull myself back from conversations and personal feelings of late because I too am human, and I'm having to constantly ask myself, okay, Suze, how would Jesus respond to this? I know how I'd love to respond, but I actually want his response to be my response. I want to draw people to him, not turn them away from him. So let's have a look in the Bible at how Jesus responded at a time where he was most anxious and was being terribly mistreated. WWJD, the good old bracelet, what would Jesus do? 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25 says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Now Jesus suffered the ultimate injustice when he was stripped, beaten, and nailed to the cross. How did he respond? Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Oh, to be like Jesus <laughs> and have his heart for people. Prior to that, in the garden, when he was most distressed, more distressed than any of us have ever been, I've never sweat drops of blood, I don't know about you guys, he was pretty distressed. But this is what he said, John 12, 27, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Now, no matter how he was treated, Jesus trusted the Father and he kept his focus on his mission. Why was he there? By keeping his eyes and his heart on God, he was able to stand strong in the midst of unbearable physical and emotional pain. That's my goal. Is that your goal? No matter how hard this all is, I want to keep my primary focus on what God has called me to do. And that is why I'm here. Not to feel comfortable, not to feel safe. I love those things and I'd love to stay there. But I am here because he has me here at this time for a purpose. And the same goes for you. The word for today last Wednesday says this. God can make the wrong decisions of the people around you work in your favor. So instead of looking for someone to blame, try to see the hand of God at work in your situation. Joseph discovered three things. One, when God wants you in a palace, nobody can keep you in a prison. And I really felt when I was reading through it this morning that someone that, that's going to drop for someone today. When God wants you in a palace, nobody can keep you in a prison. So if you feel like you're in a prison right now, God's got better things for you and no one can keep you there. So trust in him. 
Number two, your future isn't in the hands of others, it's in the hands of God. And number three, your God-given assignment in life doesn't call for the cooperation or approval of everyone, but it does require the cooperation of one person, you. Joseph's brothers made a wrong decision by resenting him. Potiphar's wife made a wrong decision by falsely accusing him. And the butler, sounds like I'm telling a joke, doesn't it? The butler made a wrong decision by turning his back on him. But God did the right thing by him. He arranged every step that Joseph took all the way to the throne. And after years apart, Joseph stood face to face with those who had treated him so badly and said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Genesis 50, 20. Try to understand this. The purposes of God will eventually overcome the plans of men. The purposes of God will eventually overcome the plans of men. No one can prevent God from using you, blessing you, and giving you success except you. So keep your heart and your attitude right. Paul's words will encourage us. We are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything Work out according to his plan, Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. So look for the hand of God in everything, everything. Just like Jesus walked in humility and total dependence on God, the Bible is full of people who God used mightily. We've got Daniel, we've got Joseph, we just talked about, David, Esther, just to name a few. There are many. They all submitted to ungodly rulers, and they served them humbly, trusting that God had a bigger plan. And I think we could learn a little bit from all of them and how they honoured and respected those around them and those over them, even in the harshest of circumstances. So how about all of us, from this point on, before we respond or react to someone in person or online, what would happen if we would stop and ask ourselves first, is Jesus in my response? Before we burst into print, before we speak, before we act, is Jesus in my response? And if you can't say yes to that, maybe you need to ditch that response. Maybe you need to shelve it and go, you know what, they're not going to see Jesus in that. Is Jesus in my response? Number two is Jesus in my team. We are Team Jesus. We are Team Jesus. I know. Woo! <laughs> it's awesome. How cool. I mean, how, how crazy amazing. Our role on that team develops and changes as we grow in him and as we come in and out of different seasons in our lives. And right now, teams are being challenged everywhere, across the globe, Families are being torn apart. This is really, really sad. Families are being torn apart. I'm hearing, about I'm hearing about people that say to family members, you can't come to my home because you're not vaccinated. I'm hearing other family members saying, you can't come to my home because you are. And it's happening so much, and it just really grieves me because you know we're heading into Christmas now, and Christmas is about Jesus, 
And it's also family. It's family, so don't lose sight of family that God has given you. Churches and businesses are up in upheaval and copying abuse, and our country is fractured and divided. Now, Jesus' heart is for us to be united. And that doesn't mean that we all fulfill the same role. I mean, can you imagine a sports team where you're all coaches? <laughs> can you imagine that? All coaches or having their idea on, you know, that wouldn't work, would it? It would not work. Imagine if you were all on attack. You'd all be at one end of the field going for that goal and your goal would be left undefended. Or if you're all on defence and you're staying back there, oh, I will defend my goal, but you stay on nil and you go nowhere, so what's the point anyway? We need everyone. I want to talk about another team this morning. I feel like I'm stepping out on a little bit of a precipice here. I want to talk about the team of five million. And I encourage you to stay with me this morning. Please don't turn your TVs off. If you're, not a, if you're not in this country, if you're joining us from overseas, what I'm referring to with the team of five million, it's a, a term that has been um, basically since the beginning of the pandemic used by the government and health experts to um, describe the whole of New Zealand sticking together and getting through this together. That's what the team of five million is. And maybe as we've gone along and we've become more fractured and things have happened, maybe you've bowed out of the team due to discouragement, disillusionment, or even disgust. You know, maybe you feel this morning like you've been kicked off the team. You know, these are really, really valid feelings. There's a lot of stuff happened and it's really valid that you would feel like that. But what if, what if each one of us is called for such a time as this, to be on the team. What is your part in the team? What has God called you to do? Now in any team, there are different roles as I talked about before and using the example again of sports teams. We've got coaches, we've got vice coach, we've got captain, we've got defense, we've got attack, we've got center, we've got wing. Like there are so many different roles within a team and they don't all look the same. They don't do the same, but they all make up the team, and the team needs them all to be a team. Sometimes you're on a team, but you're on the sideline a lot. You're watching the rest of your team out there doing the job, and you're sitting there just hoping at some point to be included. And sometimes you get called up, other times you don't. You're still a part of the team. I can remember as a teenager, I was on a softball team, I loved softball. And I was big on commitment, always have been, so I'd be at practice every week, but week after week I sat on the sidelines not getting a game. And I never understood why, because I was sporty, I was fast, I could hit the ball, I could catch the ball. I was that girl in the class that always got picked first when they were choosing sports teams, because I was sporty. But for some reason I was not a favourite of this coach and I sat for week after week on the sidelines and even my dad would call out, why aren't you giving her a game? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> And it was really, really hard not to um, have a really stink attitude towards my coach by the end of each game. It was also hard not to resent the other players because they were getting a game week after week. And yet I turned up every week, A, because I was a commitment kind of person, 
but also I just had this hope that one day my coach would change her heart and I would get a game. And I would cheer my team on because they were still my teammates, even if I was really annoyed at them. I wonder if some of our All Black Reserves feel like that. You know, they sit on the bench. They are there to be on the bench. They've put in the hard yards, but they're on the bench. And, you know, they're only there for five minutes of the game sometimes, or in case of injury. But they're still in the team. They're still in All Black. They've still made it, just in a different function, in the hope that one day they'll actually get out on the field. Now, these times are really, really trying. It's upsetting, it's scary, it's stress-inducing, yeah? It's confusing. And the outcome of that conglomeration is anger, misunderstanding, anxiety, hopelessness, and disunity. And for some of you out there, you're facing really heavy restrictions on where you can go. And you're feeling like you've been sent to the sidelines of the team of five million. And I just want to say this morning that I'm really, really sorry that you're in that place, and I want to say you are in our team. We love you, we value you, as much as someone who's not on the sidelines. We love you, you matter. You matter greatly. So how can we navigate this time, staying on the same team, united together, even in our differences? I want to answer that question this morning with another question. Is Jesus in your team? 1 Samuel 30, David's, um, he's coming back with his men from fighting. And when, verse 3, we'll pick it up in verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured and David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord. And David inquired, in verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him, with him came to the Besor Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. So a third of his party stayed back. They were too exhausted and they went, nah, we're not going forward. Two-thirds of his party went with them to, to get, what, get back what was theirs, get back what had been taken. Coming down to verse 18, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Verse 21, then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and who were left behind at the Basel Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. And that bit really caught me because, you know, David could have seen them approaching and got stuck into them about the fact that they stayed behind and sent the two-thirds ahead to do all the work. But he didn't. He actually cared for them. He actually asked how they were. 
he was basically acknowledging that they were feeling weak and tired, and that mattered to him. Verse 22, but all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David replied, no, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered us into our hands, the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. Who will listen to what you say? Who will watch what you do? Will you be like David and show compassion and understanding, or will you write people off because they don't do as you do? We are all in this storm together. Some have gone ahead, some have stayed behind, some are exhausted, some are frightened, and some are hurt. But all will share alike. We are team. We are team. And we have an amazing opportunity right now to show the world who Jesus is through how we treat each other. If you know Norm McLeod, he's the pastor of House of Breakthrough up in Gisborne, also a dear friend of our family, he posted this the other day. He said, when we gather to Jesus, he unites. But when we gather around issues, we divide ourselves. It's okay to have differing opinions, but to allow them to divide us reveals we've stopped gathering to Jesus. And our issues have become higher than our love for him and each other. What an incredible statement. I feel like if I just said that alone, I would have preached what I wanted to preach today. But it would have been way too short. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> John 17, 20 to 23 says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I've always loved that. I've always loved that passage. I've always loved just hearing Jesus' heart as he prays to his Father. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. It's on us, guys. It's on us. It's our responsibility to show Jesus to the world. John 13, 15 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Is Jesus in your team? Is Jesus in your response? Hebrews 12, 14 to 15 says, in every relationship be swift to choose peace over competition and run swiftly toward holiness for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. 
and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. I'm seeing a lot of that at the moment. I've, I've actually unfollowed a lot of Facebook people because I can, it affects me. The, the bitterness that I'm starting to hear and the anger, it, it affects me. So I've just, you know, you can snooze someone for 30 days. <laughs> I've snoozed a few people. Um, hope you have a good sleep. <laughs> but seriously, make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting up within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many, because it does. We all know people that are bitter, and it does, it, it poisons, it affects those around, around you. So Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. How different would we sound or look if we ran all our words and actions through that one verse? If we stopped and actually asked ourselves, can I detect bitterness? Is there anger in my words? Is it harsh or slanderous? Or are my words and actions kind and forgiving, coming from a tender heart? You know, be kind is another phrase that's become somewhat hated in New Zealand, which is really sad. It's been used by a certain leader who many feel are being, is being particularly unkind right now. How old is she? How old's the Bible? Be kind was written thousands of years before anyone else said it in the last two years. So let's not throw it out. Let's not throw it out. Let's show the world what be kind actually really looks like. That's what we have been mandated to do, to be kind and show the world Jesus. John 15, 4 says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. What vine are we connected to? Because the vine we are connected to will determine the nature of our response to situations and people. Let me ask it in a different way. What's the narrative you're listening to? That's another word I, I hear a lot lately. Is that your vine? Are you obsessed with the narrative of the media as you try to keep up with the ever-changing political landscape? Do you devour the news? however many times a day. Or perhaps you're one that believes everything the media says is lies, so you're feeding yourself with a different narrative. Yes, still a narrative via YouTube or Facebook or someone else's posts. Anything that'll line up with what you believe, whatever it is you believe. Now what would happen if our most listened to narrative was the word of God? our most listened to narrative being the word of God, how would that change how we respond to things? How would that change our mental and emotional state? John 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of heart and mind. Peace of mind and heart. 
And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Some of us need to get that gift back out of the cupboard where it's been hiding. We're heading into Christmas this week, and it's all about Jesus. Let's not see him sidelined by conflict and strife. Yes, it looks different this year. It's weird for a lot of us. But let Jesus be the head. Seek him. Seek unity. More than ever, the world around us needs to see him in us. Remember the four key elements of Advent that Tom's message that he spoke about last week? Love, joy, peace, and hope. That's what Jesus came to bring to the world. Is Jesus in your response? Is Jesus in your team? Is Jesus in your story? May every word, action, and reaction ooze with love, joy, peace, and hope. May the world see Jesus in you and me. Thank you, Jesus. We're singing a song this morning. I'm just going to get the team to play it shortly. Um, the team up there. Um, we're singing a song this morning. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. Can you speak Jesus this week? Can you be Jesus this week in every action? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the great example that you gave us and how you responded when you were abused and, and beaten and so, so badly mistreated. Lord, help us follow your example. Help us to be kind to one another like you are kind. Help us to be tender-hearted and understanding and compassionate towards those around us. Help us, Lord, to recognize when we're feeling afraid or we're feeling angry because there's a lot around, Lord, that's it's, it's toppling us at the moment. But God, help us to recognize when that's going on in us so that we don't react out of that, so we don't speak out of that. Lord, help us instead come to you and bring it to you and let you be that peace. Lord, we want the world to see you through us. We thank you, God, for the trust that you have placed in us to be your hands and feet and mouthpiece here on earth. And Lord, we take that up now. Lord, as we go out into our week, as we go into this Christmas season, Lord, help us, God, to do that better. Help us to speak, Jesus, in every situation. Give us wisdom and help us, Lord, just to see, to see you break through situations, to see you bring healing and peace in people that need it. Thank you, Lord.